Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, thank you for your mercy to us. You are so good. And thank you for Jesus Christ who loved his own to the end. Jesus who has shown such love to us. Have mercy on us and open our minds and open our hearts to you tonight. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Maundy Thursday is Mandate Thursday, Command Thursday. Jesus gave a new command to his disciples that they would love one another. As Christ had loved them, that is how they were to love one another. Above all else, the disciples were to love one another. How Christ loved them, that is how they were to love one another. A lot was at stake with this command. Jesus knew that if his disciples did not obey this command, the Great Commission would not be fulfilled. Jesus knew that the disciples, instead of loving one another, would just be fighting and bickering among themselves as to which one of them was the greatest. As far from love as they could get. So let's read John 13. Judas had already gone out. He was betraying Jesus Christ into the hands of wicked men. And hear what Christ says in John 13. Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him immediately. Little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another." Friends, this command is for us just as much as it was for the disciples. This command is for you and me. And we have failed to keep this command. We have failed to keep this command. We have failed to obey our Lord's command to love one another. So Jesus Christ commanded the disciples to love one another as he had loved them. That is how they were to love one another. And loving one another just came naturally to the disciples, right? You've read the Gospels. They just loved each other, right? They just loved Jesus. They just loved each other. just came so naturally. They had no problem loving each other. All Christ had to do was say the words and they just loved, loved each other. No, quite the opposite. We read quite the opposite in the Gospels. The command came because the disciples naturally hated each other. They were naturally unloving to one another. That's why the command came. The disciples were fighting with each other to see which one of them was the greatest. 
The Gospel of Luke records during this time, during the Lord's Supper, right after Jesus tells them that one of them will betray him into the hands of men, right after that, Luke 22, 24, And there arose also a dispute among them as to which one of them was regarded to be the greatest. So Jesus Christ, God incarnate, has come to earth. He has suffered as a man. He has been rejected by the religious leaders. And he is about ready to undergo persecution, spitting in his face, slaps in the face, a crown of thorns, scourging, death on a cross, hatred by all. I'm going to, Jesus is saying, I'm going to die for you. Third day, I'm going to rise again. I'm dying for your sins. So they just started loving one another. No, they naturally started fighting among themselves as to which one of them was the greatest. We're the same way. We're the same way. It's, it's natural for us to fight among ourselves as to which one of us is the greatest. As Christians, we do this. I'm the greatest at soccer. No, Lucas is the greatest at soccer. I'm the greatest at basketball. That's just laughable. Jake's the greatest at basketball. Just don't tell him that. But it can look much more spiritual than that. I'm the most humble man here. All you need to do is join the pastor's college and you will find out that your MO is fighting among others to see which one of you is the greatest. I didn't, I didn't know I had this in me until I joined the pastor's college and then constantly. You can imagine, you have all the pastors there, you're vying for their affection, you're trying to look, not look like a complete idiot all the time, and so you're trying to get a leg up on the other men. This happens all the time. Women, you fight among yourselves as to which one is the greatest. Well, I have three children. <laughs> I have four children. And other things that you women fight about. <laughs> Christ had to command the disciples to love one another because they were naturally hateful to one another. All they would do is just fight. Oh, I want to sit on your left hand and your right hand, and I want this and I want that. Concerned about number one, not concerned about their brothers. And so Christ's command tonight is for us to love one another. As Christ has loved us, that is how we are to love one another. So in order to stop hating one another and start loving one another, as Christ loved us, we first need to know how Christ has loved us. So what did Jesus mean? Jesus commanded his disciples to love one another as he had loved them. So what did this look like? And I tell you, the world has no idea how Jesus loved his disciples. The world has no comprehension. The natural man, all of us in our natural state, 
have no understanding of how Jesus loved his disciples. So for instance, Pastor Doug Wilson is coming to town and he's going to preach. Pastor Wilson is going to expose the idol of sexual immorality on the campus of Indiana University. He's coming next Friday, Friday the 13th, and already attacks, all these attacks from left and right. And the people are saying, the people are saying, well, Gaia doesn't like that. Gaia doesn't like Doug Wilson preaching against sexual immorality. That's not what they're saying. A lot of the comments I've read is that these hypocritical Christians need to go back to the Bible and see how Jesus loved. Those, these are the accusations we're getting. These hypocritical Christians, Doug Wilson, Jesus at IU, they need to read the Bible because then they would know how Jesus loved. But I tell you what, Pastor Wilson has a love for the students of Indiana University who he hasn't even met, and he's going to love them as Jesus loved his disciples. Jesus loved his disciples by showing them that they needed him. They needed Jesus. Jesus loved them by showing them that they were dead in their sins. From the moment Jesus meets them, he just, he just starts commanding them. He first gives his sense of authority. He comes up to them, they're fishing, and he says, drop what you're doing, come follow me. I will make you fishers of men. He began letting them know that they were under Jesus' authority. God incarnate, he made them. They were under him. They were obedient to him. They were to be obedient to him. Jesus had authority. We have to look at how Jesus loved. So I'm going to read a few things. Jesus loved the disciples contrary to the way that we would expect love today to look like. So Matthew 5 it's contrary to the way we think. Hate your enemies. That's what Jesus said. No. You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Love even your enemies, even under persecution. That last verse, therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. You see that they could not meet that. Jesus loved them by showing them their need of Christ. All you guys have to do is be perfect. That's all you have to do. Just be perfect. Come on. He showed them their need. They had broken God's law. All of it. And they needed Christ. Jesus taught them 
to not place their treasure in this world, he loved them by teaching them to treasure Christ above all things and to despise the world and the riches of the world. So Mark 10, right after the rich young ruler goes away pouting, Mark 10, and Jesus, looking around, said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. He loves them by teaching them to not put their trust in riches, in wealth. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. Listen to what I'm saying. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. They were even more astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Okay, he's getting some somewhere with them. When you see that response, who then can be saved? Looking at them, Jesus said, with people, it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, behold, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Christ loved his disciples by teaching them to renounce the world with all of its so-called riches and to treasure Christ, the only treasure worth having. Jesus taught them to fear God and to confess Christ. Luke 12, 4 through 9. I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two cents? Yet not one of them is forgotten before God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, you are more valuable than many sparrows. And I say to you, everyone who confesses me before men, the Son of Man will confess him also before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. It's an intense thing to say, but it's a loving thing to say. All these people on campus who are claiming that they know how Jesus loves by condoning us living however which way we please, there's no love there whatsoever because they make a show of loving here and now by giving people whatever they want. Jesus was concerned about eternity. Jesus set eternity in their hearts. And the main reason why we do not love one another is because we do not understand that. We do not understand Jesus' love to us. All of our problems with one another in this room, all of our interpersonal problems, they're just a reflection of our problems with God. Our hatred, our lack of love to God in our hearts. 
So if I do not know God's mercy to me, a sinner, then I will hardly be able to show mercy to others. Look, the Bible says that I was dead in my sin. I was dead in my sin. My immorality, my hatred to God, my hatred of others, I was dead in my sin. An enemy of Christ. If I was there, I would have driven the nails into his hands, I would have spit on him, and I would have run away from him. I would have rejected him. I was an enemy of Christ. So what did Jesus' love to me look like? He didn't just go and hate me because I was an enemy. Particularly when I was an enemy, that is when Christ loved me. Particularly when I hated him. So when that sinks in, when that sinks in, that me, the enemy, I, the enemy, you, the enemy of Christ, when Jesus loved us at that particular point, when that sinks in, most of our interpersonal problems, they just fade away. I was an enemy doomed to, doomed to hellfire and destruction. And Jesus saved my soul. We don't need to have the petty lovelessness toward one another anymore. This changes everything. This changes how we interact with one another. So, what does loving one another look like? We've seen how Jesus loved his disciples. What does loving one another look like? Well, here's love. I won't talk about your sin, and you won't talk about my sin. We'll never talk about sin, and we'll just go on happily in our lives. That's the opposite of love. We love each other by calling sin, sin. Actual sin, calling it sin. Now hopefully after this, we call each other out on our sin. And when that happens, don't respond in bitterness. Because that's a common reaction among a loveless people. When you're called out on your sin, you respond in bitterness. Well, I think I'm, a, I'm above you calling me out on my sin. I don't think I need to hear this from you right now. Don't respond in bitterness. Just receive it. God is sanctifying you when that happens. It is, the Proverbs tell us, it's better for you to accept the wounds of a friend and to repent than to be deceived by the kisses of an enemy. Receive the wounds of a friend. They're better than the kisses of an enemy. And a lot of us act like kissing enemies today. We just hide. We just act like we can't see what's going on in front of us. So entering the pastor's college, I was, I was sure that I was the most compassionate, loving man. I was sure of it. And then pretty early on, one of the men here, he called me out and he said, Paul, I don't know if you're cut out to be a pastor. That knocked me down a few pegs. And he said, well, it's because you don't have compassion for others. And I thought, what is this accusation? It's like, ah. 
I mean, that's the one thing I think I have right. Compassion. He had my number and he called me out on it and it got me thinking, man, I don't care about anybody but myself. I I do not understand compassion to others. That was a loving wound of a friend. Okay, so what we're saying is to love one another is to see the sin and to quickly exact justice on one another with no mercy. Remember that Christ was merciful. He was wise in the way that he loved. Like a doctor, Jesus could discern who he was dealing with. With the self-righteous, he was ruthless, exposing them, exposing their sin. Oh, you haven't murdered? Well, how many times have you been angry, therefore murdering your brother? With the self-righteous, Christ was ruthless. But with the tender, with the humble, with those who were sinners and knew they were sinners, Christ was very merciful with them. We should be merciful as our Heavenly Father is merciful. So my children can be out of control for a couple reasons. Either I have been unfaithful and unloving to not discipline them, so they're crying out for discipline, or I've been totally loveless, quick-tempered, and exact justice on them in anger. Neither of those is loving. Neither of those works with disciplining children. That's loveless. So, again, the same man, he called me out. He had my number again. And specifically what he told me is he said, Paul, you need to get a sense of proportion with discipline in your children. And I took that not so humbly as well. But I took it. I learned from it. And, he's, and he was right on. Get a sense of proportion. Be consistent. Be consistent with the discipline of your children. That is loving. We need to have brotherly love to one another. Brothers, real brothers, who in here has a, has a brother? That's a lot of hands up. And hopefully you would do anything for your brother. You would go to combat with your brother. You would fight to the death with him. You would die for him. That's the kind of love we should have toward our brother's Sisters in this room. It's a difficult command. It's a difficult command for us to love one another. It does not come naturally. It only comes by Christ and the Holy Spirit changing us. If you are a son of God, then you will be defined by love for those sitting right next to you. If you are God's son, you'll love those sitting right next to you. And if you don't love those sitting around you, are you a son of God? If you cannot even love those sitting in this room, you are not a son of God. 
We today, we only love ourselves all the time. All the time. That's what we're told when we're still in the womb. Love yourself. Love number one. And this drives out love to those around us. We're so busy loving ourselves, massaging our egos, there's no time for loving those around us. Jesus loved his disciples both tenderly and intensely. Whatever prepared them for the kingdom, Jesus was very tender with them or intense with them, calling them out on sin. So if you want your family, your coworkers, your neighbors to start professing faith in Christ, you want those around you to become Christians, love one another. Love one another. As Christ has loved you. Souls are perishing in hell. We need to get busy loving one another. That is how all men will know that we are disciples of the king. Love one another as Christ has loved you. Let us love one another. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we give you thanks and glory. Father, we are sinners who need Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord. So give us Christ, Father. Show us the love that he has shown and showered on us and help us to love you. Help us to love one another. Have mercy on us, we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.